Hey y'all, normally we begin this podcast asking what's good uh, with a little lighthearted banner about how the week has been. Um, but we didn't feel that was appropriate this week. I'm joined this week by Ben Stein from Palestine Matters, Ohio. And as we were preparing to record this episode, um, we know that we're witnessing some of the greatest abuses of human rights we've ever seen in our lifetime. And we thought we needed to take a moment just to um, acknowledge that. So we're recording this on Friday, October 13th. Um, and we've we've just recently heard that um, the government of, of Israel has, has indicated that all uh, Palestinians should evacuate the entirety of North Gaza, which includes, you know, the vast majority of hospitals and other resources. Um, it's already uh, arguably already war crimes have been committed on both sides. This uh, forced relocation um, and collective punishment are in open defiance of all interpretations of of international law um, and the the terrorist attacks that that began um, this particular process um, are not the beginning of this story by any means. Um, the understanding the context is difficult and uh, complicated, um, and in some ways, besides the point, um, every person, every parent, every child deserves to live uh, without the threat of terror or state-imposed violence. Um, we, we have a, a statement here from Ohio House Representative Manira Abdullahi um, that, that gets at a lot of it, uh, a lot of what, what James and I have been talking about today. Um, I'll read like just part of it. Um, and James, maybe if you want to talk a little bit more and and uh, folks can find it on, on Instagram and Twitter, this statement. Uh, but uh, Representative Abdullahi says, uh, among other things, she says, all humans deserve to live in peace, Israeli and Palestinian, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, and atheist. Right-wing governments like the government in Israel right now do not believe this. We cannot stand with a government that refuses to understand this basic concept. Um, it's worth noting the Israeli people are certainly not the Israeli government, um, just as the Palestinian people are not Hamas. Um, neither of these sort of warmongering groups uh, are the ones who are paying the price uh, now, uh, nor is that ever the case when uh, the wealthy and powerful wage war, um, especially not when they're waging war on people who aren't wealthy and powerful. Yeah, our hearts are with those young Palestinians who are facing bombardment, starvation, and two million who are being forced to relocate. And also with those in southern Israel who lost loved ones. But we know that the root of the violence is the brutal occupation, the ethnic cleansing that's been going on. And we know that has to stop for there to be true peace. And then folks need to come together instead of uh, turning against one another.
Today, we're speaking with Ariana Kelawala, Educating for Ohio's Future campaign organizer with OPO. Educating for Ohio's Future is a campaign advocating for an updated K-12 social studies model curriculum that fully reflects Ohio's backgrounds and histories. The campaign includes a broad coalition of more than 40 organizations and is led by OPO, building AAPI feminist leadership, Honesty for Ohio Education, Care Ohio, Young Latino Network, and the Freedom Block. So that campaign has successfully introduced a bill in the State House. It's House Bill 171, and it's sponsored by Representative Mary Lightbody. Uh, we're going to talk with Ariana today about HB 171, the campaign to pass it, and educating for Ohio's future. Uh, so welcome, Ariana. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, really excited to dive into this conversation. Learn more about HB uh, 171. Um, and everything that, uh, that y'all have been building over the summer. Uh, but first, we'd like to learn a little more about yourself, Ariana. Uh, you're currently a student at uh, the, the Ohio State University, uh, as I was. Um, how did you get involved with OPAL and, and this curriculum campaign? Yeah, um, so I've been organizing um, since I was in high school, um, but I found OPAL when I was looking for um, a place in Ohio to organize with other progressive API folks. And I'd never really had that space before, and I found OPAL. And after being a member of OPAL for a little bit, I saw that OPAL was hoping to launch this campaign, and I was super energized about it. Going to Ohio's public schools, um, I didn't really feel like my education was as great as it should have been. Um, I don't feel like my curriculum really reflected the stories of people like my parents who are immigrants from India. And it put a lot of burden on me and then like on my sister to explain our identities, to try to explain where we came from and who our people are. And I think that it's not an easy thing to do when you're a kid and you're still trying to figure out who you are and where you come from. And so I was super energized when I heard about this campaign and I told Opal that I would love to be the one to help spearhead this. And here we are. That's super cool. I, I, if it's if it's OK, I want to ask about some of the details involved in the legislation. I was uh, as, a, as a former public school teacher myself and somebody who, who still is friends with a lot of public school teachers. I know that that the people implementing this uh obviously are, are some of the ones who should be sh shaping it and who have a lot of ideas about how it should be shaped. So I wanted to to hear your thoughts on sort of like what level of detail is in the 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 legislation itself, um, what it's asking teachers to do and what kind of supports uh, have there been for, for getting teacher input? Yeah, that's a great question. So the bill would essentially require that the K through 12 model curriculum um, for social studies be updated to include a variety of races and ethnicities that have historically kind of been left out of the curriculum. And by implementing um, this legislation, the model curriculum would have to include these things. And the model curriculum is a resource for teachers to use. So every school district in the state of Ohio has the ability to choose how much or how little 
of the model curriculum they would like to use in their classrooms. But this serves as a guide and as a resource for teachers to be able to turn to um, when they're talking about maybe groups that they aren't a part of um, and don't know a lot about the history of because they weren't taught anything about them in the classroom. So the model curriculum is, first of all, like a resource for teachers because a lot of teachers, we know public school teachers are, do not have a lot of time in their days to be able to take the time out to really dig and research into a lot more than they already have going on. And we want this to like be something that supports teachers. So really like this bill is hopefully for teachers. OEA, the Ohio Education Association, the Ohio Federation of Teachers, and the Ohio Council for the Social Studies are all partners with us in this effort as well. They've all come out in support of Hustle 171. Um, so we've been working with them since the very beginning um, to hear their input. And we've also been hosting teacher focus groups because we do really want to make sure that this ends up being a resource for teachers and not like an extra burden on teachers. So yeah, for sure, teacher input has been super important to us throughout this process. And we hope to continue our conversations with social studies teachers and teachers generally throughout the state to continue to make sure that this bill is working for students, parents, and teachers. Yeah, that's super cool. The, I want to point out something I just heard from you that, that makes this bill like different from, like it's not just a, the inverse of a, of the curriculum bans, right, that we're seeing from, from the right that require that teachers not talk about certain things. This is not, it doesn't seem like something that requires teachers to do anything in particular so much as it supports teachers who want to do this and don't have the resources otherwise to do it. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what this is. And yeah, I think there's a lot of teachers that really do want to be talking about all of these things in their classrooms. They really do want to be supporting their students who are from different backgrounds and identities. I think they teachers want to like support their students and help them with that. And I think yeah, this is definitely meant as a resource for teachers and yeah, not a requirement that they must do. Yeah, a great example of like, like we have been saying, a lot of folks have been saying like, the legislature should stay out of classroom decisions and curricular decisions. They are not experts in education. They don't know how to make those calls. We should let the people on the ground, the teachers, the expert educators make those decisions. And you all have crafted a piece of legislation here that that does exactly that. It's not I'm, I'm reiterating something I just said, but it, it's not a, it, it's not sort of mimicking the form of uh, of the bands that are coming from the right, uh, but just in, in kind of an inverse structure. Uh, it's in fact just uh, allowing teachers to do their jobs with greater support from from the 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 government. That's sort of how I think the legislature should be involved in education. I 100% agree with you. That's cool. Do you want to talk? I'll, I'll ask my one other section of this question now, and then I'll, I'll back off. Do you want to talk a little about why it's so important that we have this update and why now? Yeah. So I kind of mentioned earlier, like I went to Ohio public schools um, my whole life and I didn't feel like my education like adequately um, supported me and my classmates. So like I can give you examples of like me describing myself as Indian and like because I was in social studies classrooms that 
also described indigenous people as Indian. There was a lot of like conflation. People like when I was like, when I was hearing about Indians in the classroom, I was like, is that me? Is that someone else? And I think that's just like one small example of the type of like kind of confusion that can arise when students students' backgrounds aren't being like talked about in the classroom. And I think it's so important that we're doing this now because we know like this country is pretty divided and um, we know that like people in this country have been attacked for like their race and ethnicities. When um, our organization was responding to Asian violence and um, Asian hate that was happening immediately after like the onset of COVID, when we were reaching out to folks and when other organizations were interviewing folks about what they thought the solution was to ending this type of violence, the primary solution that victims and community members were offering was education. Everyone was saying like, we need to be doing a better job in our classrooms talking about how did people get here? What are they doing here? And like the historical context that like surround our communities, because like Asian people have been in the U.S. and in Ohio for a long, long time. And if we provide students the understanding that like Ohio looks like a lot of different kinds of people and this is how and this is why, um, I think it allows students to build empathy. It allows students to build awareness and they enter a workforce with a, a super diverse workforce with skills to be able to navigate situations that could come up. So yeah, I really think that this this is the time for this. We really like feel like we're like lacking. I, I don't think we're serving our students fully if we're not giving them the best education possible. And I think that includes making sure the histories of all communities that live here in Ohio and in the United States are really being reflected in the curriculum. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, it reminds me of I remember in my, in my high school, I think we graduated in our, our class of like 32 different nationalities represented. We had a really diverse um, school. I might be over-exaggerating that some. I don't know. It's been some years since I graduated high school. But um, I uh, I always felt like when I got to college that even though, you know, I, you know, I went to Centennial High School in, in Columbus Public Schools and, and got a great education. But, you know, a lot of people, they wanted their kids to go to other schools in the suburbs, you know. And I remember a lot of my uh, growing up, you know, my, uh, seeing other Black families move out, you know, to the suburbs to chase that education. And they got to less diverse areas. And I was felt like having sort of uh, more context about the world helped me even when I was in college. Um, in different ways, you know, so that, you know, that, that really resonates with me. Um, and still at that point, you know, it's not like we really learned deeply about everyone's histories and, um, you know, perspectives and communities. Um, and uh, anyway, so I want to pivot a little bit um, and uh, talk a little bit about the broad coalition that, that y'all have built. Because um, I know that you, we said, we said earlier, uh, you know, over 40 organizations that have endorsed this campaign. Um, I know over the summer you held a state house day with over 150 Ohio students, parents, teachers, and community members. Um, Y'all met with dozens of state legislators to show your support for House Bill 171. I was wondering if you could speak a little about how that day went, uh, what were the conversations with state legislators like, and if you could speak a little bit about what the support for this bill looks like. You, know, you mentioned earlier that 
Um, you have support from the teachers unions in the state. You just talk a little bit about how things are going. Yeah, um, great question. So I feel like it's been really, really cool seeing the amount of like community support for this bill. It's been so amazing seeing students, teachers, parents all like affirm this need. And we've also had so many positive conversations with legislators on both sides of the aisle. Um, I don't think it's often in the Ohio legislature that we can get on board about education. Um, I think a lot of times education is a pretty divisive and partisan topic. Um, But we've had really encouraging and exciting conversations with legislators on both sides of the aisle who really see the need for this. Um, I think on the fact that it allows teachers to retain control in their classrooms has been really important to folks. But like we're still providing teachers with these resources to be able to do this. So I think like because we kind of approached the bill in this way of like providing resources, a lot of people have been really excited to get on board about it. And I think a lot of Ohioans also just really relate to this. Ohio is a growingly diverse state and we have so many like immigrant families. We have so many different families that like really resonate with the idea that our social studies curriculum is not doing everything it could be to support our students right now. And I think because this bill has like the backing of so many different groups of people, um, that's what's really allowing it to kind of move and really like generate momentum. I think, yeah, the, the community support has been super awesome to see. Excited to continue to build this coalition. It's definitely 40 some and growing. Any organizations um, that are excited about this mission are more than welcome to join, um, join us in this effort. But yeah, it's been super, super energizing seeing how many different groups of people are like, yes, we need this in our schools. Um, this would support our community. And yeah, it's, it's just been super cool. Looking at uh, sort of the groups who are included, who, whose stories are included in the the curriculum that's that would be developed as a result of this legislation. I uh, I, I see how um, some of the a lot of the reactionary politicians in in Columbus could be pushing could push back on this, not because they should or because it's in any way, um, you know, within their <laughs> like their purview. Um, and mostly it would be as a result of their own inherent racism or the racism of the, the people they they believe they represent. But I wanted to ask without dignifying or elevating their arguments, are you getting any pushback from any uh, sort of race reactionaries? Surprisingly, no. Um, we haven't had anyone like straight up um, kind of give us that like race reactionary messaging. I would say most of the concerns about the bills have been just making sure that teachers were going to be supported through this process, that um, we weren't going to overwhelm the curriculum. Um, teachers only have so much time in the day, and um, we want to make sure that they feel supported and not um, overwhelmed by this bill. Um, and I think, like, honestly, um, stuff like that has come up. Um, and then, but, like, we haven't had too many people um, kind of approach us with this, like, very, like, 
like honestly racist or reactionary messaging like that hasn't happened yet um i don't know if we will face that um that's definitely a potential and a possibility that we are prepared for but um i think because this bill is not like a mandate that's mandating all of these things be taught in every classroom in ohio it feels a little less inflammatory to folks that and feels a little more approachable to folks that might not traditionally um, be on board with like talking about diverse groups and things like that. Uh, can I ask one more? This is a kind of an in the weeds question. So it's something that I'm, I've been curious about in some of our other conversations. So if you have an answer, that's awesome. If not, I certainly don't either. It's some of our, like we recently talked with folks involved in participatory budgeting here in Cleveland uh, in the campaign there. And it's always interesting when like there's actual legal language being produced, like that's going to go into, you know, like the constitution in that, in that case, the city charter, this would go into, I think the Ohio revised code, like who writes, like there's actual words. You can go on the website. We'll link to it in the show notes to read. Um, you know, I can even see it's lines. It would be lines 116 through 132 in whatever section this is right like who writes those actual words and how like is there some lawyers behind this or like where is you know it's all very technical where does that come from yeah that's a great question actually at opal we were lucky enough to work with some a policy consultant who kind of came in and helped us draft some of the initial language, but then we worked with Representative Lightbody to continue to parse out the language and the Legislative Service Commission. Um, they were both super helpful resources throughout this process, but no like big fancy lawyers um, writing this bill. It was very much like a policy consultant that Opal has been able to work with through this process that we sat down with and were like, this is kind of what we're looking for. Um, kind of chatted and came up with some basic draft language, showed it to Representative Lightbody and the LSC, and they took it from there, um, the Legislative Service Commission. And yeah, they were able to kind of craft it into the legal jargon that it is now. So, and it's so like, I mean, the numbers I said, lines 116 to 132, that's literally 16 lines if I'm doing the math in my head correctly. It's so simple and tightly controlled and um, unobtrusive. Like it, it really seems like a a great piece of model legislation for like this is how you can do education work in the revised code without hitting people over the head or um, mandating things that teachers can't manage, et cetera. I just really want to express like admiration for how you've you've executed this so far and uh and i wanted to know how like where are you in the the legislative process where is 171 now yeah thank you so much um that means a lot we really were trying to make this a very focused bill um i mean there's been bills in the ohio legislature that are i mean 80 90 pages long and it's kind of like a lot of different things all thrown together this this bill is just this one little proposal and we hope we, we hope to keep it that way for sure. But yeah, as far as where is HB 171 in the process, um, right now HB 171 is in committee. So the Ohio legislature, for those who might not know, a bill gets assigned to a committee and then it goes for hearings. HB 171 has had its first hearing, which was the sponsor testimony hearing. So Representative Lightbody had the opportunity to talk to the committee about the bill and just share kind of her insight on why she brought it forward um, and why 
Um, we, the community members, have kind of been pushing for it to do this. And then now we are waiting for our next hearing, which would be the proponent testimony hearing, which would give us the opportunity to go to the state house and advocate for the bill, share why this bill is important to us. And right now, um, the committee hasn't given HB 171 a proponent testimony hearing. Um, it's not being made a priority, and we have kind of decided to put some pressure on the committee. Um, we've already sent over a thousand letters to the committee writing in support of giving HB 171 a proponent testimony hearing um, because community members deserve the opportunity to participate in the democratic process and talk about why this bill is important to us. Um, we think that like this bill is, I think so rarely bills come like from community members and from a community being like, yes, we need this. This is a really exciting opportunity for like people who have never participated in government, it, have never like voted or like have never been to the state house, came to our state house on State House Day because they were energized by this bill. So I think it's really, really important that AC 171 re receive a proponent testimony hearing. But yeah, that's where we are right now. Um, after a proponent testimony hearing, um, the bill would have a few more hearings likely and would get voted on by the committee and hopefully voted to the floor um, where we could continue pushing the bill through. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we are. No, that's really amazing. Uh, and I want to echo Ben's admiration um, for the way that y'all are navigating the legislative process and talking about putting pressure on on the committee to move very specific, um, you know, through very specific pieces of that process. Um, it's it's interesting because yeah, I, I haven't really thought a lot about the statehouse strategies. Um, you know, obviously we've seen a lot of defensive statehouse strategies and, you know, typically, um, and it's been hard to really think of how can we move things proactively. So it's been really cool to watch uh, this campaign develop and, um, and that's really exciting. Well, one question I, I wanted to, to ask is about, you know, say this passes, um, say you, you receive enough support to pass, you know, how, what does the implementation process look like? How do you make sure teachers become aware of these resources? Um, and are able to, to make use of them? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So after the bill would pass, that would require um, the state board or whoever ends up with the power to make the updated model curriculum after that litigation is finished. Whoever ends up with that power, it would require them to include all these migration journeys and histories of all these communities in the new social studies model curriculum. and. Um, it's super, the model curriculum process is super cool. Um, in Ohio right now, Ohio teachers are the ones that like are writing and getting into the nitty gritty of the model curriculum. And I think that's super awesome. I just want to shout that out first. Um, I love that we have experts that are like in charge of this process that are making this happen. After that is passed, once the model curriculum gets voted on um, and gets approved, we would definitely be working with teachers to support them and let them know that these resources exist. Right now, we kind of mentioned that um, our partners in this include lots of teachers groups, including the Ohio Council for the Social Studies, which is like an organization of like lots and lots of Ohio social studies teachers. And then the two major teachers unions in Ohio, the Ohio Federation of Teachers and the Ohio Education Association, 
we would be working with them to make sure all their members are um, aware of these amazing resources and are know how to use them and we'll be continuing that process yeah just with our teacher partners basically I think that phase is like so so important because I mean a bill doesn't mean anything without the implementation behind it so making sure that we work with the teachers organizations who are already so well versed on how to like handle new legislation how to handle new trainings for their members um, I think is kind of hope to approach it in that way but yeah, we got a long way to go first. So um, lots more thoughts coming into implementation later, but um, that's kind of our general approach. Okay. So, um, I mean, I think we're at the point now where we can ask how, how can people get involved in the Educating for Ohio's Future campaign and how can they support HB 171? Yeah, amazing question. So like I said, right now, we are putting pressure on the primary and secondary education committee to give HB 171 its proponent testimony hearing. So you can go to educatingforohiosfuture.org. You can send, go there, get involved, and you can send your own email out to the whole primary and secondary education committee um, calling for a hearing for this bill. Um, we're also doing testimony training. So on once we hear the word that we are gonna have a hearing, members of the community will have the opportunity to give testimony and talk about why the bill is important to them. So if you're interested in potentially being someone who gives testimony, but you've never done that before, um, we're training folks, we're doing testimony trainings, and we would love to use that opportunity to give people more insight about the bill. So they can join HB 171 testimony training, and you can also join our list for updates if you're part of an organization and you're listening to this, if you're like, my organization would love to be a part of this, that's also amazing. And we would love to have you as a partner in this campaign. Um, but yeah, just go to educatingforohiosfuture.org, um, get involved and come get our campaign updates and join us in our action. Well, thank you so much, Ariana, for coming on the show, uh, for letting us know about what's good with this campaign. It's been really, really exciting and uplifting to hear about all the good work you've been doing. Um, wishing you all the best as you continue to push uh, for uh, forward uh, with, with, with the legislative process. Um, looking forward to having y'all on after you after you win this campaign uh, to hear about what's next. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I think it's so exciting that we have a bill to be fighting for, um, and I'm looking forward to keeping going on with that campaign. Um, Pushing, pushing this bill forward and getting a win for Ohio's students, teachers, and community members. Visit whatsgoodohio.com for show notes and links to the Educating for Ohio's Future campaign and to learn how you can support HB 171. Subscribe to What's Good Ohio wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time to keep talking about what's good here in Ohio.